Hey there, Super Nintendo fans or Super Famicom fans. I am the No Swear Gamer, host of the No Swear Gamer on YouTube, your source for new reviews on old games. And I'm also the host of the Atari 7800 Game by Game podcast, along with my robotic announcer guy, Voice. And you are listening to the Super Nintendo Entertainment System podcast. Right here on the Retro Junkies Network. SNES broadcast with your hosts Soul Blazer and Alessandro. Super NES Podcast. This is episode number 23. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the somewhat obscure uh, side-scrolling action platform uh, game Super Valus 4 in this podcast, uh, which is a port of the original uh, TG16, uh, known Japan's PC Engine uh, CD game, uh, created and developed by a company called uh, Telnet Japan, ported over, to, ported over to the Super NES by Lasersoft, and published in North America by Atlas in 1992. Uh, with me as usual, it's like my regular co-host from Australia, uh, the man making a big sacrifice just like you with us today because of the time difference. I like a launch reel. Um, I, appreciate you, I appreciate you being up in the middle of the night for us here, man. <laughs> nah, no problem at all. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. And this is a, and this game was a, was another guest host pick, uh, like by Mr. Uh, Anthony here. So, uh, so Anthony, like, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Greg, very much. Um, so, like, before we can start talking about the game, I do like to ask the guest hosts, to, so the guest hosts, like, a little bit about their background, history, uh, the history of Super NES, that kind of stuff. Um, like, so how old are you? Uh, what was your first experience, like, experience with Super NES? I am 28 years old, and my first experience playing the Super NES was I was at my cousin's house, and I played a game called Spider-Man and X-Men Arcade's Revenge, and I absolutely love that game. It's hard as I'll get out, but it's still <laughs> great. Yeah, I remember playing that game like a little, little bit a couple of years ago. But it is the slightly very like you know fun game. Um, so is this from the system like was current? Uh, I have my experience with the Super Nintendo is a little bit 
limited. My, I never have actually owned one. I've only got bronze of it recently and yeah. started to pick up from there. And I can't believe I missed out on all these great games, especially like Super Bellas 4. So, uh, beyond that, my cousins played it all the time, and I would go over there and just play whenever I had the chance. Well, you were pretty young when the system was in its prime, so I mean, I can go. But. No, but yeah, definitely. Uh, like, you know, nothing wrong with emulation. Uh, I've said it before in past podcasts, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, like, you know, I do all my uh, 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 game playing with the Super NES, like the emulation here. So um, uh, I do have an original controller that I use like, by like a USB connector. So, um, um, so like, so this like this game here, Super Bowers 4, what made you want to talk about this game? What's your history with it? Well, my history of the game is that actually it's going back to the, actually to you might hate me for this, but it was going back to the Sega Genesis, and I was looking around at this one flea market, and I happened to come across this game called Gyrus, and made by Renovation and uh, Renovation over here, and was published by Telnet Japan over there, right? And had these really great anime cutscenes in it, and of course I'm a huge anime fan, mm-hmm. so when I seen this, I'm like, there is, has to be other games like this. <laughs> Why have I not worked this? this game series been on my life and I asked one of my friends I said have you ever played any of these games and he said he's heard of Valus before and I said well what is Valus can you kind of describe it to me and he said well pretty much think of it Castlevania with a chick and a sword and that's pretty much Va- and that's pretty much Valus in a nutshell <laughs> that's actually a good way to describe it <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah, uh, yeah. The first three games of the series came out to the Camelot Genesis. The fourth one, the fourth one was Super NES only, but like as far as the port, uh, minus the original PC Engine uh, format that all four games like released in. Uh, do you remember which Valus game? What is the one that you play on Genesis? Uh, I played Valus three, and I played ROMs of the other two. Mm, yeah. So. Yeah, this is actually like a very rich, like rich and deep history to this franchise. I really didn't realize that until I started doing research on it. Uh, I never really had heard of the game, like, to depict it. Um, that's one of the beauties, like, about doing this podcast. Like, the, 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 the Super NES library is so rich and deep that there's so many, like, so many gems and not so gems uh, present, like, present, uh, like, in the library. So it's just, like, you know, fun to be able to check this game out. Um, so, uh, there's definitely going to be a difference of opinion, uh, fellow listeners about, about this game, the three of us, uh, as three, as three of us talk about it, but, you know, uh, variety, spice of life and all that, a little bit of disagreement, slight disagreement kind of makes for a better podcast sometimes, so, um, um, so, uh, like, so Anthony, have you been able to, uh, beat this game yet? Uh, like, have you gotten, like, very far in it? Uh, I've gotten past Castle Vanity, and I'm stuck after that. I'm trying not to use safe states as much as mm-hmm. possible, and the next stage after that, where the uh, little statues are shooting orbs of light to the top of the screen, and the rocks come tumbling down. I mean, that's just one one oh. brutal, brutal part. Oh, <laughs> yes. We'll never talk about the difficulty spike later on here, but the first level just lulled me into a false sense of security, just completely. Yes, the first two levels of the game are very easy, and after that, there's an insane difficulty spike. Um, which is which is definitely one of the downsides of the game, but we'll talk about that here like in a moment. Um, so yeah, uh, I alluded to a moment ago about the rich history that this franchise has. Uh, I really didn't realize because I hadn't played like, any of the past games just how much of a history uh, the history that this franchise has. Um, the Valus franchise was originally created to, uh, as we already said by a company called Telnet Japan, 
Um, the very first game in the series came out came out all the way back in 1986, uh, which was published originally published initially like for the Japanese computers, uh, the MSX and the PC and, and the PC88. Um, the uh, the the four games are going to reflect one another. You know, many sequels are not. Um, a lot of the same characters, uh, locations, enemies, that kind of stuff carry over carry over like from game to game, which is which is a cool touch. You really didn't see too many games from the '80s doing that, uh, like their sequels. Uh, so, it's, um, so the basic idea behind the game: this girl, like his name, like uh, Yako, um, who's fated to protect uh, like, like our world as well as like, as well as the dream world, like which is known as Vicanti. And to do this, like she's given a magical sword known as Valus. Um, so, like, so, like, the four games kind of follow that kind of, uh, general idea. Um, the original game also got ported to the NDS, uh, the Mega Drive slash Sega Genesis, and the PC Engine, uh, a Super CD-ROM, which is the Japanese... Oh, don't get me started on the NES version. That thing is insane. Never play that one, either. <laughs> uh, uh, well, do I say that, like, it's bad, terrible, or just, like, you know, like, uh, grueling hard? I'm not sure if it was the ROM I played or not, since it was never released over here, but it was just there's this constant stream of enemies coming to you always at left and the right of the screen, and it has like this open world kind of feel that you can go down like alleyways and mm. things like that, and it has this open world of exploration, but the enemies constantly coming left and right, and you only have one life, and pretty much what you put in is what you get out, and so Ooh. it's just absolutely brutal. Yeah, sounds like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I thought this game was pretty tough. Sounds like the first game was even more of a challenge, but... Um, <laughs> um, so the second game of the series was originally released in 1989 uh, for Japanese like Japanese computers again, like and also for the uh, PC Engine CD-ROM. Uh, it, uh, it came over. It came over North America, ported by Revelations, as you said, like Genesis, uh, back in 1992. Um, the third game came out and came out in Japan in 1990. Port to Port Genesis to Genesis This game we're talking about here, Super Super Powers Four, uh, came out for the PC to and to CD-ROM in 1991, and got ported to Super NES in 1992. Why the, why this game came out for the Super NES and into the Genesis, like the first three games? I have no idea. It seems like a very uh, weird decision. My theory on that is is that the first three were kind of like this one whole trilogy arc, and then after the events of of Valus three, that she essentially became you know this this goddess of the mm -hmm. Valus sword in right. Valus three. Yeah. And so I think they was kind of wanting to go into a new direction, you know, introduce a new heroine into it, and kind of go from there. And so I guess you know new storyline, you know, uh, calls for a new system. Hmm. I was gonna say like it's it's funny that you know it has a bit of a legacy on the Genesis because it's like the most Genesis-like game on the Super Nintendo that I've ever played. Like I really felt that from like the first level. Um, it has a, it has a Mega Drive feel. I call it the Mega Drive because that's what it was called um, mm -hmm. in Australia. But, right. Um, I guess, yeah, from its from its color palette to to its feel, it, it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing. I just had that Genesis vibe when I was playing it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. I, I definitely can see that. Um, the franchise, the franchise was dormant like for a while, uh, but then like in a 2007, uh, another Japanese company, Edens, uh, bought the rights to the series. Uh, like, and they also and they formed a partnership with Bandai Namco, uh, Namco to publish to publish to publish two mobile phone games. Uh, for, and there's also like an anime. Uh, Canon Magna produced uh, based upon the games, like in Japan, also. 
Um, and in 2009, the, the, the rights to the franchise like, are now held by Sunsoft, uh, which has led to some rumors that maybe Sunsoft might think about making make a new Valis game. So, but, but the only thing Sunsoft has done with it, they've done with it so far, like to release a collection, a collection of the games, uh, like the PC on CD-ROM format. So over in Japan, they have it on the PlayStation Three on the PlayStation Network in a collection, I think. But mm-hmm. beyond that, I haven't seen it over here. Of course, the very last game, Valis X, I don't really consider that in the series at all. It's a complete departure from it. it's a visual, a visual novel. Right. Yeah. That's. I was just going to mention that. I think it's incredible when you look into the history of this series. And I'm like you, Greg. Like, I hadn't heard of this before. And now that I don't where it came from, telling it as a company, for it to build such a strong and rich franchise with a following and then just to butcher it later on, um, turn it to like pretty much a porno hentai anime <laughs> series. You know, it's a shame that they um, – that they took that direction in the end of the day, but it's nice to hear that the IP was something in the future um, for a franchise like this. Because, you know, these classic animes have got such a rich history. It's, you know, not just Valor, there's plenty out there, and it's just nice to see them rebooted. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of games like this time period to use, like, some... I uh, used like some like you know anime uh, uh, scenes or cut scenes like whatnot. Um, there's a there's a Sega CD game. Oh, a Popless Male. That this reminds me like a lot of also. I'm not sure if you guys have played that one, but that also. Uh, uh, but that game also has like a hero and a hero and side scrolling action anime feel to it. Uh, like very good game. Yeah. Well, to be honest, the anime art style helped me enjoy this game a little bit more. Mm. Um, you know, even though the sprites don't generally like uh, to get into it quickly, I felt like a bit of a Voltron vibe. I love anime myself, and Anthony, I love anime. So, you know, Voltron's Ooh, one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, and I just I get this, I feel this Voltron, uh, Voltron vibe from it. So that was automatically a change. And when you see the box art for the North American release, mm. it's obviously quite different. It looks like some you know B grade heroin yeah, action. Even the, um, the Genesis versions of it looked. Yeah. Mm. yeah, but you know, going back to what you start, it's just a shame there's not a, there's not a lot of it in this port. Mm. I think that's a big um, negative about yeah. know, an event um, series. So you know, I think it was pretty much relaunching itself in North America when it had this rich history already. It's a shame it kind of didn't bring that over, even though it had number four on the title. Right. I'm surprised it kind of stopped right there. I mean, because you would think that there would be a, at least another one in the series besides trying to make it, you know, the make it into a hentai. You know, it's kind of like the last hurrah for it. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think unfortunately some of the some of the uh, some of the porting differences will explain most of that because, like you know, uh, these games came out came out for the came out. For I came up for a CD-ROM-based system, uh, one of the first ones actually. Uh, so of course, like, like with CD, has a lot more storage, storage space available for it, just like the cart does. So when they ported the game over to Genesis and Super NES, they had to make do with the smaller cart size. Uh, so I'm sure like a lot of the animation, the animation stuff had to be cut. Had a lot of space, so uh, they were trying to focus on trying to get the gameplay like intact and everything. But uh, yeah, it's but yeah. Uh, one last note I wanted to make. It's just kind of strange. It's kind of strange that Atlas decided to publish the game in North America in the first place. I mean, like, you know, Atlas has a pretty rich history. Uh, Atlas, 
Uh, Atlas has always been known, though, for like reporting over, bringing over like very quirky, unique games uh, like North American market. Usually, very small print runs. Uh, so I'm a pretty big fan of Atlas. Uh, so I have, so I have a bunch of their games, and usually, if you want one of their games, you better get that sucker as soon as it comes out because the print runs, right. the print runs for those stuff are pretty small. And if you don't get it within the first three months or three months or so, then you're usually going to pay like pay much higher prices for the used market. So, um, um, but yeah, you know, Atlas took a risk definitely porting this game over uh, like North America, and I'm kind of glad they did because, like, you know, it's kind of uh, uh, because this is this is definitely one of the first cases like in their long rich history uh, of them taking a chance, uh, taking a chance like in a game that had not come out previously on the Super NES. Probably was probably only semi-familiar like the gamers, like the gamers, like the gamers North America, and didn't know how well the game would sell. I mean, like you know, um, we'll talk about eBay pricing later on. Uh, the game prices are pretty good considering the fact this game must be like pretty uncommon. But uh, it seems a lot of people have actually like played the game. Uh, how many of those people will actually play the game now? This is back when the game was new. I don't know because, like I said, I said I never heard this game until until you mentioned it a few weeks ago. But um, it's very interesting about publishing the publishing decisions decisions like what they decided to, what they decided to bring over to bring over North America and the rest of the world outside of Japan that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, the story of the game, like real quick here, that, that like Anthony touched upon earlier, uh, you're playing a different character in this game, like opposed to the last games. Uh, like this one, like you're casting the role of Lena, uh, who's been given the vow of sword uh, by the former like, main heroine of like the series Yuko, who is now a goddess. Um, there is basically you have your basic school by evil force. Uh, uh, arising uh, like like a dark person, uh, a dark army, that kind of stuff, and uh, and Lena has to wield the sword to bring peace back to the dream world. Uh, the gameplay is very typical side-scrolling action slash platform uh, platform stuff you've seen like a million times before, like, like other stuff. Um, the things the things the things that struck me off the bat immediately, final first impressions uh, playing the game, um, both for good and bad, is that you know I like the fact. One of the things I really appreciated appreciate the fact like you're playing like a heroine, a girl is like a place opposed to a guy. Uh, this is still pretty much firmly into the time period like most like most of the main characters of games like, were guys. So like you know have a game this early and in which the main character is actually a girl like about a credit to. I, I think it's very like you know, like fun touch. Um, um, Definitely. So, I was just gonna say just on that the heroine aspect is very cool. It's just a shame that. I mean, for a new audience like myself looking at this now, I would have loved to play as Yuko because Yuko was the standout character that they built. And it's just a shame that even though Lena's, you know, um, you know, quite a rich character, uh, Yuko would have been, um, you know, a more exciting fit for me just because she was such a mainstay in the series beforehand. So mm -hmm. if you were a fan of this game and you went to look back of the origins, uh, you know, you would kind of wonder why Yuko wasn't at the forefront, even though obviously it makes sense within the lore of the story because she's obviously appears at the start of the end of the game. Right. Uh, I say to touch on this now, but later on, is it one of the cheats that you can actually play as Yuko later on? Well, uh, maybe maybe in the PC Engine version. Uh, I have three cheat codes here I found, I found researching things online. You can change your appearance to look like the older style. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, but I think it's still Lena. I think it's still, so, ah, okay. But, um, yeah. Yep, it's one of the codes. But, 
Um, so, Anthony, uh, what did you really like about this game? What really, what really impressed you by it now that you want to come on here and talk about it? Well, for one thing, it was such an obscure series, you know, that if you hadn't really heard about it or been in the know until, you know, recently, you know, mm-hmm. you know, with the whole anime art style, and I just wanted to kind of get it out there, you know, like there's this, there is this game like it, you know, and I was thinking of the longest time looking for a game that was similar to Castlevania, but really not, and for my friends to really describe it as Castlevania for chick, you know, I mean, I'm sold on it. <laughs> uh, so what about the game itself? Uh, so what, do you, uh, what do you really like enjoy about it? Let's see, what I really enjoy about it. Two numerous things to really mention off. I mean, I like how it plays. I mean, it's the controls are very simple. I mean, it's not overly hard to, to use the controls and get used to the interface. Of course, the difficulty spikes pretty soon after the into the third level, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's my only killer about it is that the big difficulty spike, but even in the Genesis versions of Valus 3... It seems to happen about that third level, always there seems to be this huge spike in difficulty. Because mm. the first two levels, bosses were fairly easy. And then all of a sudden you get to the third level in Valus 3, and there's this boss, and he can he has this attack that literally takes the whole screen. You can't really do anything but dodge it, and then switch to your more amped up character, and then try to attack him. And even then, it's not really doing a whole lot of damage. You just have to... More or less, kind of a little bit of luck is involved to actually get past him, and then the next two bosses are even worse. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, the controls are very easy. They're very responsive. Uh, um, uh, I do think this is a game that taking a look at the manual uh, before you start playing like would help because, like you know, it took me a while to figure out to figure out the items, the, 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 so the items, like all that kind of stuff. Um, this game reminds me a little bit about the old. Uh, like with the old arcade, like arcade slash, like any of this game, Carnival. Like if you guys have played that, uh, and which can like pick up, pick up various items, various items that like to go through the game. Looking at manual for this game, like this game first, definitely recommend it. Yeah, um, it's funny you say that because I honestly like the run button. I didn't even know you could run until I was like you know on level three. Like and there's the jumps that I was just falling off. Like mm. I, it was really frustrating. Then obviously working it out later. Um, that I just feel like they didn't really use the, the Super Nintendo controller quite well because it was a button that the A button does nothing and mm. they could have used the A button a run button or or some sort of form and even like the old Castlevania press up and, and Y um, for the magic button I just feel like that's so stuck in like the 8 bit era when you're, you're when you've got such an accessible controller with um, more buttons this time around, it's just a shame they really couldn't um, apply it a little bit. I, I, look, it's easy. It's The action's smooth in this game, but I think it just could have been applied a little bit better. But, you know, the action's smooth in this game. I really feel like it, it really plays well in general. It's just those small gripes I had with it. Well, I think the controller issue is because, that, like I said, this game's poured over the like, TurboGrafx CD, um, um, a PC Engine Japan, and that crew only has... It's just like that controller is pretty much almost—it's pretty much almost the exact same like the NES controller. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if you had a chance to play a PC Engine slash Turbo Graphic. Uh, uh, a friend of mine back in the day uh, like had a console and I borrowed it like for a while. That controller is that controller is pretty much the same as the NES one. There's like the A and B button and then like two sele- uh, start and select and that's it. So mm-hmm. I think just simply they just took a straight port controller mapping over to the Super NES controller and didn't take advantage of the extra buttons. Uh, you're right. Like, it would have been nice like if they had. Uh, add in a couple of features to like do this that button or what or whatnot, but I think it's just pretty much another uh, another side effect like about the porting issue. Definitely. 
But um, it, it's kind of the same thing. Like, um, it's like very, it's like a very similar problem. Uh, we talked about Street Fighter like in a recent episode. Uh, trying to take a trying to take a fighting game that uses like eight, ten buttons and pour it over a console that only has like three, four buttons like on the controller, it's like a nightmare. Uh, be, so developers have to make some compromises somewhere. So, and usually, and usually, and usually in those cases, it just like doesn't turn out that well. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yep. So that's a good segue. Let's talk about the graphics. The graphics in this game I thought were like very good. Definitely one of the high points of the game. Uh, the graphics are maybe not the best uh, anime style I've seen. So I've seen the Super NES, but it was kind of an early title, so I can like forgive that. Um, there's some very nice scrolling effects. Uh, the background, the background, the background scenery in some stages just moves really, really well. Uh, the clouds, for example, like in stage three, I think it is. Um, now the castle stage, uh, like in the background, like really work very well. And uh, and and later stages, there's some there's some background effects that really reminded me a lot about some stages that really reminded me a lot. Speaking about Castlevania again, um, there's one stage, there's one stage Super Castlevania four that has a scrolling background in the back, and you're trying to play normally by trying to not be distracted by the distracted by that scrolling background. There's some of that going on in this game also. There's several stages there's several stages like the background's moving or doing things in the background that can be very distracting. And that's touch that I really like because not a lot of games do do that. Uh, so like you know it not only looks pretty but also uh, pretty but also gives the added complication as you need more complication of the game. Uh, trying to focus on your gameplay but not be like distracted by what's going on in the background. But I, I really like the Castlevania stage. I mean, it looked pretty. I mean, the use yourself the cloud scrolling and everything else. I mean, the game overall really does look great. I mean, all the attention to detail, you know, that they put into it. Yeah, like my my issues are not really with the overall graphical presentation. Um, it's more uh, I don't really slack because I, I know what's a port, but you know, it's very uninspiring. Like when it comes to the enemy design and. Um, and the levels itself, I just feel that there are some really impressive graphics. Like you said, Castle Vanity has that cloud effect. It's like a Mode 7 type cloud effect. And, you know, it's really impressive. But the level itself is quite flat. Mm. And I right. think that they just added, like, I just feel like when I played it, they just added basic like, verticality um, to pretty much increase the time spent in the level. Like, you've got to go up and then you go up to the next level. And it's just pretty yeah, flat. Yeah, if you fall down, board, you have to start pretty much just, work your way back up again. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. uninspiring for me. Like, they could have done so much more with what they had. Like, there's so much potential there. And I just feel like enemies are just placed to be in your way and, and um, not really thought about when it came to the overall game design. But, yeah, it, overall, the graphical presentation, there's something there. There's something about it. But it's just a shame that the levels itself weren't um, struck together to a, to a more advanced level, I think, is, is a good point. Well, I kind of both agree and disagree about that. Uh, like I definitely agree that the enemies that the enemies are kind of bland and not really call that inspired. Uh, there are a few enemies that I really liked. Uh, there's a few enemies that really there's a few enemies that are really strategically positioned to make your life as difficult as possible. Uh, think about like one area in particular. I think it was like maybe like stage four or five, the ice castle stage, where you're trying to like destroy those statues that the statues that statues that spit fireballs at the same time, but at the same time like we're trying to avoid yeah. uh, icicles and stuff like falling down your yeah, head. You're, you're talking about the crystal yeah. room. Yeah, the crystal. Story. The crystal. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Wicked difficult. Uh, so like yeah. you know, I, um, so like, like so, so, so some enemies are pretty good, but yeah, the overall the overall level designs kind of um, there's not really too much vertical action uh, vertical action in this game. There's some stages we have to do some up and down stuff, but not really like all that much. 
Um, I appreciate the different backgrounds that, that and stuff that they use for the, that they use the stages. Each stage, each stage feels different enough in terms of the, in terms of the graphics. Like for example, like you're outside, you're in a castle, like you're in a you're in a cave, yeah. whatever. Nice touch there. But the overall the overall enemy the overall the overall enemy stage play design. There's nothing really, except for the graphics. There's really nothing. There's there's really nothing special about the enemy design, uh, like the level design for this game. It's like it's all very, it's all very standard stuff which like ever seen before uh, on countless other platform games, uh, like in the yeah. past. I um, think there is a very cool concept. Like like you said, it takes you across various level levels, and you even you're even fighting angels you know, on one stage, and it's you know it's quite odd, and you don't know why you're kind of doing that. You're in heaven, pretty much. Uh, but you know, it's it's not just tied to the graphics, I guess. You know, music because it's such a progressive rock type of soundtrack. Some great songs, but then when you reach like the cathedral aspect of one of the levels, and also the crystal room, like you said, like for me again, another lost opportunity there with the music not really immersing you in that type of environment because you got really striking visual, but then the music doesn't really give you that. Um, ambient feel like I would expect from a cathedral type back scene like obviously with Castlevania such mm -hmm. a well put together game yeah when that when that music hits obviously it has a you know a villainous feel because that's its background but as you progress through each stage the songs just match your environment this song I this game I didn't feel like I did that well I think like you said there's some cool things about um, the crystal room um, level but I, I found that level to be quite cheap with my deaths, uh, you know, those spikes and, and putting putting enemies just for me to fall off, um, you know, it's quite lazy in my opinion because I, I like challenges, you know, and, but you don't want to die cheaply. You want it to be based just on skill and I just felt that level was just, you know, a cluster. Um, but not to digress, but, yeah, I just felt like they had a great opportunity to really tie in some, um, some good themes and some music to really define the level a bit more and I just think that they missed on that opportunity. The soundtrack of this game, I think, is very good. Uh, like, I do agree with you that the pieces may not specifically fit the stages, like in Super Castlevania 4, but overall, so, but overall, I think the music for this game is quite solid. They had a very, they had a very uh, fantasy feel to it, I thought. Uh, like, a very good soundtrack. Uh, maybe not earwormy, uh, probably... But overall, the soundtrack for the game is like, yeah. quite solid. Um, it, is, it doesn't take advantage of the strengths of the Super NES hardware uh, because again, because again, like it's a port, and the, the PC engine didn't have as good of a, a sound a sound software capability as the Super NES does. Um, but yeah, I like you know, like uh, like overall, the music for this game, I think it's, I think it, I, I think it works for the game. I, I think it helps with the overall theme of the game. But the pieces, the the the, 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 the pieces themselves that played in the played that played during the stages, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, they don't really match the stages, and uh, because it's also a very rock progressive type um, soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to my original point, you know, it's more of a Sega Genesis style game because that type of sound uh, for that uh, that console and that sound chip. Um, so I think that's probably maybe an indication that maybe they were designing the game possibly for a Genesis release before they, you know, speculation. Mm. But, uh, you know, Anthony, you were saying, you know, Castle Vanity is obviously your standout stage. I think the first two levels are the best two levels in this game. And because of the music, especially because the songs in those two levels are the best in this in there. Yes, I agree with you 100%. Uh, but, you know, you, um, Anthony, can I just ask your background with the Genesis? I mean, 
did you feel the same way when it came to the music in this game? Did you feel like it was more um, suited for the Mega Drive, the Genesis, for you? I believe it sounded a whole lot more Genesis y myself personally. Mm. I'm not yeah. sure why they wanted to go for the Super over the Genesis, other as I said earlier, you know, that the amount of renovation went, went under at this time, or if Atlas bought out renovation and decided, you know, hey, you know, there's this new system, you know. All the other games have been on the Genesis, but let's try something a little bit new, you know, new storyline, you know. Yes, exactly. Mm. I, look, it could have been like, let's do something different on the console, because when you look at when it was released, it came after Act, um, Act Razor, came after Castlevania, and those got, they were very um, orchestral, and maybe they were looking to bring over that style, because it is, you know, that rock progressive style is a part of the series, so I understand why they did it as well. It just would have been nice for them to expand on it, that's all. Certainly seems like the game was inspired by Castlevania, so, but then again, a lot of games have been inspired by Castlevania, so... <laughs> yes. Um, uh, definitely, yeah, I don't know if definitely. <laughs> it's definitely inspired by it. I wonder if they was, well, was, they was kind of hitting to that, but after all, the second stage is called Castle Vanity. I mm. mean, you can kind of yeah. see the... <laughs> right. That's a good point. Even the, the first boss, I felt like, was completely ripped off from Castlevania, the Reaper. Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Death, yeah, death. That was, uh, for me, straight out of uh, yeah, Konami series. Uh, so, Anthony, like, overall, to overall, like, about the music some music of this game, like, how would you rate it? Do uh, you think it's a good soundtrack, like, overall? Uh, just, like, you know, weak in some areas? Or, like, you know, what do you think about it? Overall, I think it's really good. I'd give it at least uh, maybe a 7 out of 10. I mean, there's some things about that... Uh, but you know, with the, the Super Nintendo about sounds that it could have done, it could have done a whole lot better job. But mm, definitely, you know, from, from what it was, you know, I, it was passable, and I really enjoyed it. You know, the the stages, the music gave the stages, you know, the ambience that it needed. You know, not on par with, with Castlevania, but, right? But you know, it's hard to beat, you know, uh, a, a game that had such a long legacy as Castlevania. You know, compared to other games, right? Yeah, just going back to the graphics, to the graphics here again, like for a little bit. Um, the enemy. Uh, the enemies in this game may not have been all that inspired, but I thought for the most part the graphical detail on them was quite good. Uh, like, you know, most enemies I thought were, like, you know, very, uh, uh, very, like, you know, well animated. Uh, your character yourself, like, is pretty, like, your character yourself, uh, Lena, is pretty well, like, animated. Uh, you know, she looks like a pretty, like, a pretty typical cute anime girl that you'd find a slightest time period. Um, so, uh, uh, so the overall, uh, the overall touches. The, the overall small touches to the to the sprites and stuff I thought was like well done. Uh, the anime, the enemies, the the anime in the game itself, the cutscenes and whatnot, like what little that there are, I thought was like very well done. Uh, it certainly has that like old school, like old school eighties, nineties, uh, Sailor Moon slash Voltron feel to it. Um, so, uh, uh, so you know, it was nice to see they preserved at least some of that. Like I said earlier, cart limitations for size and whatnot, but it's nice to see that. Um, but it's just. Uh, but, but, but it was nice to see they at least kept a little bit of intro, like an intro and a closing to, the, to closing the game. And during a time period in which anime was not that popular in the states, so a lot of games that featured that kind of stuff had to cut, like, had to cut out the, cut out uh, all together. Um, I get that some credit for even keeping that stuff in there in the first place, because like you know this was not popular to do at the time period. Right, I completely agree with you 100 on that. I mean, it was what was it about maybe. After '95 or so, after that, that they really started doing more of the anime cutscenes, especially after Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that. Really, right. Gun and especially Gundam Wing, maybe. 
Right. Plus, that's when not like CD-ROM systems like PlayStation started really taking off here in the states too, uh, which allowed for the extra memory and size. Yeah. Yeah, but the the port suffers because I get your point with the American audience, but you know, with the PC Engine CD, there was some really rich story um, in that version. And it would have been nice to see finally an action platformer with like a really solid plot, you know, and that there was something here and it just kind of starts you off and then there's nothing in between. It just gives you these, you know, bland screens after each level. Um, so it would have just been nice for them to kind of, okay, maybe min- min- minimalize it, but give us some more text-based history or story of what's actually happening and give me um, a more immersive experience when it came to that. I just felt like that, again, a lost opportunity because I could have differentiated itself uh, from all the other action platformers on the system, and there was plenty of them with a with a rich story that existed on the on the original version. I so like these like these like like these sit here now, twenty fifteen, second guess, like second guess how things were done back then and whatnot. But I think like you know, given the time period, given the you know, given the fact that anime really had taken off, like I said, Japan yet, uh, given the given the smaller car size of the, 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 the car size available 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 like the produce. Available like the company, um, I think they did the best job they could. Basically, as far as like you know, like like any flaws, but any flaws or faults of the game are mitigated. I would say mostly only because of the system it's on, and also the fact that we're sh- the gameplay and everything is still intact pretty much from the PC Engine. We'll talk about differences between the PC Engine and Super NES here later on, but the gameplay itself is pretty much still here. Ninety percent of the game is still here as far as that goes. So the problem we're talking about here with the graphics and music and, and like, music gameplay and whatnot, it's still gonna be pre- like, still gonna be present like the original playing with the engine version. So um you know I'd be curious Yeah, well you know for us to come out here and criticize the game, it's that's what hindsight is and you know we just I'm making comments on it would have been nice to see. I don't think that they intended to give us uh, you know, a story that wasn't flushed out. They were limited, of course, but we have seen other games do it better. And, you know, I just feel like maybe um, when we look back at this, of course, it's easy for us to say that, yeah, they should have had this and that, but that's not fair also in saying that uh, because of limitations, I feel like there's always ways around it. Um, and I'm no expert at, at obviously game design and that, but we're talking about some minimized cutscenes that they could have expanded on, and I just think that it was a quite a lazy overall pull when it comes to the PC Engine because they were there. So you know, it's not like it wasn't exi- it didn't exist. So I think if they were um, looking at it, if they're looking back, it wouldn't it wouldn't have hurt to find a way to give us some more context. You know, it, at the, there has to be a criticism of lazy. Yeah, there's ways. There, there's no. I can't. I can't. I know enough to know that you know a couple of extra cutscenes edited would not have made the game any bigger. We're talking about a couple of extra screens. We're not talking about a whole new element to the game. They existed and they did minimize it, but I just feel like it was a lost opportunity when it comes to giving us some more of the plot that existed in the game before. You know, that this is this is what I'm trying to say is that if it didn't exist and had to recreate images and things like that, you know, that's fine. But the assets were there. They just didn't decide to bring it over, you know. Mm. Yeah, all of a sudden, you know, you save the content. Oh, you have to go to Castlevania. Why do I have to go to Castlevania, you know? And then why do I have to go to this yeah. place yeah. where rocks are raining yeah. down on my head for? <laughs> it, it could have been, honestly, it could have been a simple, like, you know, simple screen with an anime um, art a picture or something and just a text-based, uh, you know, cutscene, which, you know, essentially what most Super Nintendo d- games did at the time. So uh, I, I don't, I don't want to be hard on the game because of it, because it's all hindsight, but 
I just I, I'm not going to give him a pass for you know giving me uh, giving me a port that's you know quite limited on story base, especially for someone like myself who loves um, playing a game with a rich you know plot and so like something I can dive into and enjoy, even though it is an, an action platformer. And I guess that's why it's so cliche to say. So let's talk about the gameplay then, which we've already like you know, talked a little bit here. Uh, Anthony, like you mentioned, the items that you can get uh, like in the game like earlier on. Uh, do you want to talk about like some of the items uh, that you know, that you pick up at the game? Sure. I know you have your basic blue shot, which you press up, and I believe it's the attack button. You know, in addition to your normal blade, you have your shot, so you send out a normal attack, which doesn't do a whole lot of damage, but can reach out far. And then one of the other ones you can pick up. You, essentially pick up like different shots for, for the longest time. One of them is like an upgraded shot and they actually can travel through multiple enemies at once. Uh, there's one that looks like a blue dragon head that actually rolls along the ground. Kind of like, reminds me of the holy water in Castlevania. Mm-hmm. And let's see. I see there's one that does like a three shot spread, which is really effective for enemies up in the air. There's one. And then of course you have the, the super armor, which makes you pretty much invincible for a couple of hits and then of course it's very rarely you have the health pickups i mean but that refills your health just very very little bit right yeah i'm not sure if this is the right name but my the right name for it uh, my favorite power up like was the like was this like was the like was the seeking fireball one uh, when it like shoots the fireballs out like homing on the enemy and blast it oh yes i forgot about those very handy against boss fights oh yes uh, yeah, take, uh, yeah, I do appreciate the items, the items in this game. Like I was saying before, like, uh, like it reminds me about, like, about, like, games like, you know, like, uh, Karnov, in which you can, like, pick up, pick up various items. You have some choice as to, like, which items, which items, which items that you would pick up and use as, as you go through the game. I always appreciate that. Um, so, like, you know, it takes a little bit to get you, to, like, it takes a little bit to get the hang of which items you use in which situations, like, whatnot. But again, Primary weapon and secondary weapons again. Castlevania influence here. So, um, but uh, yeah, the, the, I actually liked it as well. That I just feel that the flaw is that when you're deciding, you, you, when you're deciding to choose another a magic or um, a weapon, um, you lose the one that you already contain. So, if I wanted to even just use a heart power up, you know, if I've got fireballs or whatever they're called, sorry, I don't know the actual names of the each magic power up, but you know, you lose it. And I just feel like it would have been great for had to have like a more of a swap out loadout type style of magic system. Do you guys know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just frustrating that you've got like you say you've got eight left of one particular um, power up, and you need health, and it's like well I've got to sacrifice in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's all about management, I guess. But um, on this system itself, this is actually an improved uh, mechanic of the game, isn't it, Greg? From the PC Engine, this uh, actually was a PC Engine version. I'm pretty sure. I didn't find anything about that when doing my research, but you may be right. Yeah, I'll look into that more, but I'm pretty sure that this was actually an improved system um, from the port, from the, sorry, from the original version. Mm. One of the things I most found interesting about this is that your score actually is more like a kind of your experience points. Once you get hit, like, was it 10,000 points, your, actually your health meter goes up? Right, yep. But, but correct me if I'm wrong, but if you lose your life and you have to continue, does it reset your score and your health bar back down to where it was yes. initially? Yes. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's what I was yeah. afraid of. <laughs> Something else. Even it continues, but yeah, if it continues, but your health goes away. Something else I found also, uh, like in the game, is very frustrating. Um, conversely, if you want to power up your items, um, like to make them stronger. 
you have to not use them. The system has like a so, so the game has a weird system in place. Like a place, a place where you not to use your items uh, because you can hold off on not using the items. So it actually makes them stronger and so stronger to stronger like you like increasing points, points and level up. So very, uh, very very frustrating because like you know what's the point of giving the items. Uh, you can't like use them freely by any kind of penalty. Yeah. So, but, but yeah. look, the items are really important for the boss battles anyway. So yes. even if you have to save up just a little bit, but is it true not to digress off that, um, Greg, but as you mentioned in terms of time itself within the game, I was reading, but I, I couldn't get any clarification anywhere else. I found one source that said, the longer you take in the level, the more life the boss has at the end of the uh, level. Oh, yes. Itself. Is that oh, that's yes, true, sir. is it? Yes, I was saying that happened right in the very first level. I happened to notice that that bar down at the bottom of the screen was continually going up. You know, that wasn't going up by big leaps and bounds, but it was just like going up every so slightly. And I was thinking, what's this bar about? And then when I got there, you know, I found out why. Yeah. It, That's yeah, actually really cool. Yeah, it's an interesting mechanic. Rather than like give you like a time limit to go through the stage, like most platformers do, they kind of give you that unique time limit in the form like a boss to the boss life meter. Which is not hiding from you. You can see the boss meter on the screen the whole time. So like you know it encourages you to actually go through the stage quickly because there's, there's quickly because the quicker you go through the stage, uh, the less health that the boss has. Um, well, I hate to interrupt you, but let me kind of touch on that point. Like at the very opening stage, which is Vacanti. Mm-hmm. I mean you can pretty much run through almost the stage, you know, and be, get to the boss and in less than a couple of minutes, but if you kind of take the time to explore around, you know, you can find like all these power ups, you know, like a pyre, like the super armor, you know, and, and right. stuff like that. But it's not necessary to do that. But of course, you then have the off the the problem of have taken on a boss that has a whole lot more health. Although the first boss isn't all that bad, mm-hmm. he's right. he's actually yeah. one of the easier. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So it's a very interesting mechanic. Uh, I'm not sure I feel about that. Um, I see both pros and cons to it. Uh, because I, 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 because I don't like time limits in games anyway. I think it's, I think it's like an old, like an old outdated mechanic thing that goes back to like arcade days. Uh, that really doesn't have time and place like in modern games like, like anymore. Um, but you know, but you know that. But at the same token, the system, the system, the system like really penalizes you. But you're like a beginning, like a beginning player. Like I don't really know the stage. You have to really, you have to really go through the stage a number of times to get good at it to be able to cut their, set to cut your time down. Uh, uh, so you can, like so you don't get, so you kind of advantage like the boss, um, that in stage because it's like a bigger health meter. So, um, it's interesting. Should I like to see more done with it at least? Uh, oh, oh, a uh, quick side note. Uh, so when you use the power armor, I really like the graphical change that, like, you know, like your character yes. do also. Uh, I was gonna say this. I love the, the graphics. The, the sprite itself of the armor design is amazing. Very, very, yeah, very good looking armor there. It's just a shame it doesn't last. Two hits and it goes. It's just yeah. a bit of a tease, isn't it? <laughs> uh, one other thing. One other thing. Touching upon both graphics and gameplay. I'm not sure if you guys saw this also. Um, this may be an effect in me playing via emulation. This may not happen like in a real system. Um, but but you guys notice that when you got hit, your character actually vanished like a couple of seconds? Not that I can remember on mine. Not yeah, no, it happened to me too. Maybe it's a ROM thing. But um, definitely that happened to me. 
Yeah, very, very annoying because, like, you know, I don't know if it's, like, part of the game itself or just kind of like a just like drawback playing, like, an emulation. But, uh, yeah, most of the time when she got hit, she, she, like, she actually vanishes. So, uh, like, it may just be, like, a ROM issue. The difficulty spike in this game definitely makes this, like, a very, very challenging game. I uh, wouldn't be able to have to, like, really like a few safe states. I didn't even get to the end of the game. Uh, if you're looking for a challenging, difficult platform game out there, this is definitely one of the hardest ones. I've, the hardest ones. The, the, this is definitely one of the hardest ones I've ever played. Uh, but if you enjoy a good challenge, I definitely recommend this one. Uh, as far as like, as far as like doing it, because first the first two the first two stages of the game are deceptively easy. It, it kind of like they're not that bad. Uh, they kind of give you like the uh, the hang of things and whatnot. Then stage three, there's a huge difficulty spike, and it goes even higher stage four. So uh, it definitely seems unbalanced. I think some more playtesting yeah. by really good help of that. Yeah, you're right. But I think the challenge curve it can be quite rewarding if you can kind of familiarize yourself with the level and the best way to get through it. It's nice to have a rewarding experience when you kind of get past a level that was difficult. If you've got patience, and that's the thing, like it's a new generation of games now where it's quite you know easy to get through a game um, in today's standards. But back obviously in the you know eight bit and sixteen bit era, you know. Difficulty was, you know, a standard and with a game like this and putting yourself into that, you know, that time period, you know, once you got to know the level, I found it a lot easier, obviously, to get through. I found more issues with the bosses um, and they're very, uh, if you don't mind, can we talk about the bosses if that's all right? Because I'd love to get Anthony's uh, thoughts on this. You know, they're quite, well, like most bosses in action platformers, they're pattern heavy, you know, so knowing their patterns and how to beat them. But I found a lot of exploits. Easy exploits at the start, and I didn't even look them up. At the start. I always try to find a, the easiest way, obviously, to beat a boss without doing too much. Um, so I, th- I feel like they're they're really um, really well designed. Like I said, I, I've got this bit of a Voltron vibe when I see their art design. But um, yeah, did you find a lot of exploits, Anthony, just through playing it through the first time, or did you look them up later, or how did you get through it? I remember the boss of level two. But- Particularly, especially, I mean, he was riding that tiger, and but you can pretty much just stand in the corner. There's like one corner you can stand yeah. in. Pretty much, he can't reach that. He can jump at you, but he can't really jump enough to actually hit you. And he'll turn around, so you can just pretty much spam your sword attack pretty much on him if you want to. Yeah, that's the boss in the box art. There, sorry, that's yes. the boss on the box art. There. Yes, yep. yeah, that's really cool. <clears throat> He's very cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely an exploit. Um, but what I was going to say is, you know. Uh, you know, with the boss itself, and then there's the boss rush at the end. That damn it, you know, that's so lazy for me. Like when there's boss rushes in games, in the right context, yes. But you, if I can bring this up, when I was playing through, I use safe states as well. But you get you get through that boss rush eventually. You get to know all, all the patterns, and then you get to the last boss, which is an absolute damage sponge. Like this guy does not die; it takes forever, and it just gets beyond frustrating. It's I was gonna make like all those points again because like you know that last boss, you know that last stage, that last boss rush. Um, again, difference between Castlevania like in this game, the boss rush and Castle, the, the boss rush, the boss rush like Castlevania Four. Uh, I thought was very well designed. Um, like in this game, like in this game, you're not seeing any new enemies. You're just seeing like stronger versions, like old ones before. And I do appreciate the fact that they give you items uh, in between the boss rushes. Um, but there's not enough health items there to help you out. Uh, so, yeah. like, you know, it's, 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 so it's definitely a much more, more, more grinding experience trying to get to these bosses than is that boss rush fight toward the answer because of 4. 
And even then, your health doesn't, the health refills don't really refill all that much for health. No, they don't. <laughs> well, it's less than, a, not even a quarter of your health, if, if not even that. Yeah. Yeah, so, very, very frustrating. It's like a very, very tough game to beat. Uh, like, anybody who can't beat this game naturally, my hat's off to you. I, there's no way in heck I could ever do it. Uh, and it, it used to be, like, pretty good at platform games, I guess that's why they have the infinite continues, you know, but the but the health reset after every single time. Mm. Probably want you to say, you know, well, here's the game. It's hard, you know. Use your experiences, as Alessandro was saying, you know, because most of these games in this time era, you know, were these were fairly difficult. You know, they didn't have a whole lot of checkpoints and save points, you know, going along the way. It was pretty much, you know, what you put in is what you put out. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some there are some codes, however, that you can use uh, that will make the game easier for you. Uh, there's three codes for this game uh, that I found. Uh, the first code we already like alluded to. You can change your character's uh, look and his look and style back to the older, probably older Valus games. Uh, to, to do this one, you want to hold your L and R button uh, like in a controller, then turn on the system uh, and keep holding those buttons uh, down like to like for the character. Um, the second code, though, uh, the second code, though, turns on the easy mode for the game. Uh, makes the game easier for you. Uh, to, to, to use easy mode, uh, highlight uh, uh, high the option mode on, uh, on, uh, on some tile screen, then push L, uh, left, left, right, right, B, B, and Y, Y. And why they have this hidden, I have no friggin' idea. Uh, again, this tough, you, you, you should not be hiding the easy mode. I'm like, you know, hide the but, you know, do the opposite. Like, hide the hard mode. But, like, you know, why have to have... Do I require a cold easy mode is beyond me, but... Uh, whatever. <laughs> um, That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. There's also there's also filing stage select. Uh, and, and this is, like, very, very handy for... Like, handy for me to be able to practice some of the... To practice some of the... Uh, practice some of the later stages. Uh, to use the... To use, to use each select uh, on tower screen, push up, down, left, right, up, down, left, right... Up, down, left, right. Up, down, left, right. So four times. Uh, then hit. Then hit select, start, Y, B, like, and then start. Uh, like, you go ahead, like, and skip uh, skip stages. And you can also listen to the game's music, uh, like, on this, uh, like, on the screen also. So, a cool feature. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, in a nutshell, uh, this is a very... Uh, interesting, interesting, and deeply flawed uh, platform game. I'd say, uh, I'd say, profound judgment. Um, ha- ha- uh, uh, I can't compare it directly to the original PC Engine version because I haven't been able to play it. But looking at the uh, ki- uh, um, uh, the videos, so the videos and whatnot, like online, I thought they did a pretty good job of bringing over the core gameplay, minus the actual uh, anime scenes, uh, that kind of stuff. So stuff that you two mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, um, a lot of this, a lot of the flaws in the game, I can dismiss it just like just being like you know like uh, part of the uh, part of how games were back then, like when this came out and that kind of stuff. But there's other things I feel like just that there's certain there's certain parts of the game that they're just not very original or inspiring or whatnot. Uh, there's nothing really. There's nothing really elevating this game above other platform games to recommend you playing it, except for the. Except for the difficulty, if you're looking for like a very, very a tough, challenging platform game, uh, I can recommend this. I uh, you know beyond that, 
beyond that, I really, I really can't recommend this game unless you're like a very, like a very like you know, uh, unless you love platform games, like a big fan of the Valve series in general. There's just not enough unique stuff to the game like very warrant it. I don't know if you want to always look for a more difficult version of Castlevania, you know. If you're a Castlevania fan, you know, I'd recommend this game, especially if, you know, because some of the Castlevania games, especially like, um, what was the one I, even Castlevania 3, you know, Dracula's Curse can get really difficult at times. I mean, so. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm not going to um, go ahead and say it's an amazing platformer, but um, I, I think I think there's qualities about it. If you, you like action platform and you like basic gameplay and, and like you said, Greg, a challenge and, um, Anthony, you made a good point about being a Castlevania clone. I was going to say, my when I first started to play, when you announced, Greg, to me this was the game, I always, you know, dive in and, and start playing. And I, I had to stop because I'm like, no, I've got to, got to step away and actually see what this game's about. So I did some research, you know, and finding out what it, where it came from um, and seeing its anime background and seeing a bit of the story and its lore, jumping back into this, you know, if, if it was a lot more enjoyable experience for me. So if you are going to try it out there, you know, do some YouTube looking, get to see some of the older games and, and kind of get adjusted adjust of where it actually came from. Cause I think you'll enjoy it if you know um, a bit of the backstory, but yeah, it's, it's media, it's mediocre. It's not, you know, it's not an amazing platformer, but there is qualities there that you can enjoy. And it's, it's a hack and slash type of game. So, you know, it's not complicated on that level. Um, you can just get used to the, get used to the power system and it has, has, you know, some decent level, to, uh, level music, some, some great challenges. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to suggest it for everybody, but if you do like that um, action platformer, try it out. Why not? All right, yeah, definitely. There's an excellent point that you made. Uh, like, you know, like, uh, because this game is connected to like, the games and the, the games of the series, uh, but you might want to start back with the first game. Let's like, like, play the first three games. Uh, but the first three games, but like Genesis first, uh, like we're coming with this game, uh, because I think you appreciate the story. Even as hacked up and cut out as the story is for the, the story is on the North American versions of these games, there's enough of it still present in the four games to be able to make a coherent and connected story. But I think yeah. it would like increase like your gameplay value out of it. Definitely, like knowing like who who Lena is, who the protagonist is, and where she's coming from, and what's her mission. Right. You know, it gives you more value, and right. it's worth it. It's definitely worth checking it out. So uh, the major differences uh, like this game, uh, Super NES, as opposed to the original PC Engine uh, uh, version, uh, there's three. There's, so there's three major changes that ch- ch- the three major changes that are made to the game. Um, they really kind of watered it down, unfortunately, because the, the first major change ch- change that the original game you could pick from three playable characters. Uh, besides Rina, really? you, yeah. Uh, besides Rina, you also had like. Uh, uh, Asfar and Aimwood you could also play as. Um, so, uh, like the Super NES version, you only have Rena to pick from. Um, the second big, the second the biggest, the biggest change made was, of course, as I already mentioned, uh, the anime sequences, like the anime sequences, like pretty much cut out. Um, and the third major change is that you know several levels were removed to the game. Also, the original PC Engine game was a lot longer because, again, CD. Uh, bigger storage space. So to fit into the cart, they cut several levels out. Um, there was, however, a new level added to the Super NES version, the, 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 the Super NES version of the game. Uh, Castle Vanity uh, is actually based on the second half of the original of the original game's first stage. So uh, they at least tried to add something back into the game, uh, like flavoring the took out. 
I think there was also um, <clears throat> to add on, add further on to terms of the changes. I guess there there was also a different level up system for the characters in um, the BC Engine version. Um, I don't know if you saw that, Greg, but um, no, I did. I you mentioned that earlier, with, but yeah. I think it's very possible. Yeah, it ties in with the power system, but right. So, Anthony, you know, you were saying the frustrations of losing your health when you die. Um, in the PC Engine version, that wasn't the case. You actually leveled your character up. Yeah, I just remember seeing, you know, having racking up about like, ten thousand points in the first level. I just kind of completely kind of wasted, you know, used a little bit of time. You know, the boss of course was getting stronger, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna hit hit this and try to get at least, you know, ten thousand points. You know, hit this boss, you know, with uh, a little bit bigger health. You know, go into the Castle Vanity with a little bit better health. You know, and try to do it from there. But in doing so, you know, end up dying and. Yeah, resetting it's a trade-off head. worth it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the balance you're looking. Um, yeah, that's another change that I just wanted to mention, Greg. Thanks. Right. Uh, if nothing else, this game has inspired me to want to go back and check out the first three games of the series because I'm really curious to see how this game compares, like compares with them. So, um, uh, so I'm definitely gonna be, I'm definitely gonna be like, spending some time playing the Genesis versions, uh, like the first three games. Um, so if you want to get this game uh, now, uh, if you want to actually have the the actual the actual physical the, the, the actual physical the actual physical card of the game, um, because it's not available on virtual console, so the only way you can actually play it, um, unless you want to unless you want to import one of the Japanese uh, Windows uh, collectors uh, uh, collection versions the collection versions of the game, um, there's not many copies of this game available that are available for sale on eBay. I only found 12, 12 listings active with, with like about twenty uh, currently. Uh, recently sold. Um, the game prices for this game, considering the fact it's kind of uncommon, is pretty good. Um, car prices uh, range anywhere from $19 to $19 $34. If you want the game uh, complete, uh, like a box manual, uh, that ranges anywhere from $25 to $80. And there's even a sealed copy of the game that sold that sold recently for $100 for, for $55. So, a little bit more expensive than your uh, than a more common game for cart version, but not that bad, really. Uh, no, not too bad. No, but uh, yeah, and uh, most of the feedback I found on this game online was pretty positive. Actually, a lot of people have a lot of fond memories of uh, fond memories of like this game. Um, I think maybe the fact that maybe I'm sure my I'm sure my memories uh, my memories experiences of this game might be covered quite a bit uh, by nostalgia if I actually had played it back when it was new. Um, it seems you see most people online who like who, who enjoyed this game um, had it like had it 20 years ago like it was a new game man. like I really, I really enjoyed it so um, it's kind of interesting to hear us talk about uh, we're all we're all pretty new to the game just more recent just recent time period uh, we couldn't get unfortunately the unfortunately experience the experience that we had in our, in our last podcast with Final Fantasy 4 like when, like a, uh, with like you know like a volunteer being like a new member uh, had playing the game for the first time. So um, maybe maybe some of the maybe some of the love of this game nostalgia connected. Maybe some of the love of the game is its appreciation for the fact of how this game ties in the series as a whole. Um, uh, I, I'm really not sure, but you know the game rankings and range and ratings and, and comments and reviews and everything I found I found online for this game were pretty positive actually. So um, that's interesting. It's one of those love, love, hate kind of things, you know. You, we like the, you know, if you can complete this game, you know, my hats off to you because, you know. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, so, um, 
Yes, yeah. we love torture. We love to torture in our games, you know. We like to get that real <laughs> difficulty, you know. Right. We like to die over and over, and, and when we complete the game, you know, it just has that such so feel-good kind of feeling. Right. When you can actually conquer something, you know, that's this difficult, you know. Especially if you got this game way back when, I mean, you know, as difficult as it was. I mean, and around that time, probably, mm. around that time, I probably would have been probably about... Eight or so, and so if I had ever got a chance to play this game, because my first experience actually playing Castlevania wasn't until I was probably about nearly my teens, mm-hmm. and I right. actually bought my friend's copy of uh, for the NES, and so I was completely blown away by it. Right. A very unique game in some ways, I'd say, because some of the mechanics, mechanics and like the like the graphical style, like whatnot, used uh, flaw in other ways, but still like pretty. Uh, but at the end of the day, when I ask myself, did I have fun playing this game? But I have to say yes. Um, like you know, as, fr- as, fr- as challenging as it is, as frustrating as it was. Um, now, mind you, I also I also abused the hell out of save states. Like, if I had this game back then, I probably would have gotten frustrated, frustrated from the controller way, way before I got anywhere near the game. So, um, but playing it now, um, you know, I you know I actually liked it for the most part. Like, you know, I thought it was like, you know, like, not really like a great game, not something I probably would like to go back to, but in the moment playing it, like, I had like, I know, but in the moment playing it, I, I, I can honestly say that I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I wouldn't say fun the easy way for me, but um, <laughs> it was a really good experience to kind of dive into something like this because generally, for me, I'm not so much a retro gamer. I just if I'm going to spend my time on, on anything when it comes to video games, I want it to be a, a decent quality, um, you know, critically acclaimed type of game. I'm not adventurous as much as some other people, but it was nice to kind of step out of my comfort zone and try something different. Um, and I think if you're bored. And you have a bit of time to change it up. This was a, it was it was a good experience like that for me. I'm not going to recommend it, like I said before. But um, if you if you've got an hour or two, you want to try something different, a bit more obscure when it comes to like you know a platformer. Yeah, this is one that's worth checking out. But like I said, check out some backstory. You're gonna you're gonna enjoy this a lot more if you know a little bit more about the series. Uh, so Anthony, how about you? Uh, Anthony, you know like our final thoughts. Any final thoughts? Let me see. If you're a big anime fan, I would really recommend this game because that's the whole thing that got me into this series was the whole anime style of it and how it felt. And it's almost like watching a, watching an anime series you know, kind of unfold before me. So that's why that's one of my big reasons of liking this game so much is that just the the anime feel of the game. And uh, as you said, Alessandro, you're an anime fan too. And you know, to me, it was just that's what really got me hooked on this series was just the the whole anime style and the feel of it. You know. Kind of make me think, you know, watching watching Sailor Moon and getting the import of the Sailor Moon and other R on the Super Nintendo on my ROMs, you know. Mm. I mean, it just felt so right. So yeah, like you know, very different, very unique game. Uh, like I'm glad we took a look at it. Um, like you know, like you know, there's so many, you know, so many like you know, like obscure games, like whatnot, like a platform, and like you know, like you know, uh, trying to. Uh, dislike it or not, like you know, like we definitely encourage people to check this out because, like you know, this is. I was definitely a game that like you know fell through the cracks back when it came out uh, back in '92. So um, 
Uh, so very interesting game to like, talk about and discuss. Uh, so Anthony, I really want to thank you very much for suggesting this game for us and for coming to the podcast here to talk about us with us. Um, we're very to have you on here, and you know we'd love to have you back at some point in the future. Okay, thank you so much for having me on. That's nice to be talking with y'all. Uh, so coming up next, we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, <clears throat> so like you know, like Lancho and I have been talking about this a little bit off mic. Uh, do you want to explain what we're doing like for our next? Okay. Yeah. So for our next episode, we're going to try and change things up a little bit, um, and we want to focus on the Disney games of the console because there's so many um, titles from the Disney collection. We just really wanted to find a way where we could talk a lot about it without going too long. Um, so we'll have another guest host, and what we're thinking of doing is bringing in our top three each, um, our top three Disney games, and yeah, talking about them and what we loved about them, and um, so we can explore a variety of different titles. Um, so you'll hear more very soon through the Facebook page. That's uh, facebook.com forward slash this Nest Podcast. Um, so yeah, watch out for that. But it'll be yeah something different, um, and I'm looking forward to it. Actually, it's going to be fun. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely like your. So like you know, definitely like a very like you know, like unique concept uh, because like you know a lot of licensed licensed uh, licensed platformers and stuff like for that made during this time period to the eight bit sixteen bit days they really sucked uh, they really were not like very much fun to play or whatnot but did uh, but the Disney games not only for the Super NES I I also for the Genesis and for the uh, and the NES as well for the most part those games are pretty well designed um, like you know like a lot of people. A lot of people have like you know the lot of you know like fond memories um, of games like Super NES games like you know like uh, like uh, Lion King for example uh, like you know uh, which like you know very solid very solid put together like platform game that platform game that actually made a good use of license um, so like like so yeah um, it's a uh, like it's fun so it's gonna be fun talking about some good licensed licensed platform games uh, the Super NES and, and Disney games during this time period were definitely some of the best out there so. Um, if you have any like suggestions, suggestions or recommendations like for games, like for games to check out, uh, by all means, please let us know like in the Facebook page, or you can also email me directly. Uh, my email address is the SNES Podcast at yahoo.com. Um, and you can also find the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, uh, so be sure to check us out there. Um, and uh, Anthony, once again, I want, once again I want to thank you very much for being on the podcast with us. A lot of fun talking about this game with you. Well, thank y'all so much for having me on. I really thank y'all. Maybe next time I come on, I won't babble so much. <laughs> hey, we all start somewhere, nah, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. That uh, was wait. good, Anthony. Good to meet you, man. Nice to meet you. I just want to say quickly, um, like I said, the Facebook page, we love feedback. So please let us know how you're feeling about what's happening. Um, and please, if you are enjoying it, get it out there. Um, we're, we're doing our best to keep on you know, continuously improving the show. Um, but we want to get out to as many people as possible who who love this system because our mission and goal with this is to really expose how good the Super Nintendo is and remind people that there's such a great library out for it. So we really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. Yes, definitely. Um, so thank you again for everybody out there for listening to us. Uh, and we appreciate the support very much. And we'll see you again next time. Uh, take care. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market, but no matter how you play the game, or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep of power.